Welcome back to Money this evening. We're discussing short-term insurance. My guest, Craig Poger, if you'd like to email us, you can still email me on brian at bdtv.co.za. Craig, email from Anthony in Parkwood. He said, I understand that if my car is broken into and I leave things in the car, my insurer will not pay. What happens in the event of me stopping at a traffic light and the door of the car is pulled open and my wife's handbag is stolen? Would this be covered? So, Brian, very often insurance companies apply what you refer to as forcible and violent entry to the vehicle, which is very often a, a condition of the policy. Some insurers have uh, cover when there's no forced entry subject to a higher excess, and some insurers don't cover it at all. So in this particular example, there would be insurance because there's forcible and violent entry. Well, to not the if they just pulled the door open, if it wasn't locked. So, well, I mean, that would be violent. So it's forcible or okay. violent. Oh, okay. so, so violent would be covered. And again, what's also important is to make sure very often insurance companies have locked boot warranties. So if your car is uh, left unoccupied, you can't leave your laptop on the front seat of your car, even though the vehicle is locked and there's forced entry. So very importantly is to make sure that your laptops and your iPads and items of value are kept in your boot and concealed, which is, as again, very important in terms of the policy and a lot of policies and insurers have certain warranties. And again, one needs to check the policy because not every policy is the same. Now you as a broker, do you have a responsibility to point this out to your clients or is it really do you point out to them that they must read their policies? Because I mean, how many people read an insurance policy? Only you, Only me. <laughs> <laughs> So both, we, you know, it's, we, we obviously try our very best to point out the, these items and warranties on the policy. And of course, we encourage people to read their policies. It's happening more frequently where you have these remote jamming claims. And unfortunately, there's no forced entry to the vehicle and it l results in problems. So one needs to make sure and very, you know, that these items are kept in the boot. And if not, taken with you. It's very important that you also also check to make sure that your car is locked. Uh, and, and again, just check on the covers that you have with your insurer. Yeah. And perhaps, you know, make sure that the handbag isn't on the seat. Maybe the handbag's on the floor, where if someone does open, you know, it's not visible. Correct, yeah. correct. Kerry in, in Lucia says, please could you explain the difference between insurance and insurance? I'll explain that to you, Kerry. Assurance is very simply, the event will happen. So you take out an endowment policy, it will mature. You take out a life policy, one day you will die. So the event will happen. Insurance is it may or may not happen. You insure your motor car, you've got household, you've got all risk. In your business, you've got loss of profits, you've got fire. It may never happen. So the difference between insurance and assurance is very simply the one event it will happen, and on the other event it may or may not happen. Hopefully it doesn't. Anything you'd like to add there? No, Brian, I think you... That are you happy? I'm happy with my experience? 10 out of 10. Good. Well, if it gives me 10 out of 10, then I'm really pleased. Patsy in Bishop's Court says, I listen to your program regularly and take a notice about material non-disclosure. However, what is material to one person may not be material to another. How do insurance companies distinguish this when making a decision on a claim? I'll give you an example. My home is bordered by two thatched homes on either side. Is this material? <laughs> Brian, I picture this house there and <laughs> either side. <laughs> Firstly, I hope it's not too close to each other, but, exactly. but would that be material? So, Brian, in this case, yes. You know, very often when you, when you take on insurance with an insurer and they often, they ask, do you have any, do you have thatch roof or do you have standard roof? And do you have outbuildings? And if the outbuildings are standard, and very often the outbuildings, whilst not property of the insured, you know, if that thatch is at a certain distance, 
from the main house, one would need to disclose it to the insurers. If you have a LARP as an example and it's, and it's thatch, the insurance companies very often ask what is the distance between the LARPA to the main, main address, or so let's say the main house. And that's why it's very important to disclose it because it is a material fact and consult your financial advisor. Don't assume what is material and what is not material. Because you make the point. Important. That what's material to one person may not be material to another. Exactly. And you need to understand the distance between the houses. You know, is it very close and does it, you know, does it have a higher risk? And again, rather speak to your financial advisor, disclose things like that. Material things, security at home, burglar bars, alarm systems, all these type of things we encourage people to, to, you know, obviously let the broker and the insurance and the underwriters understand exactly where and what and how it's covered. I mean, it probably won't affect your premium, but at least disclose it rather than not disclose it. Absolutely, Brian. So I'm saying is rather talk to your financial advisor, discuss what is material, what is not material. And very often you might be surprised and say, well, hang on a second, you know, I, I, I live on the fourth floor and I don't have burglar bars. Is that material or not material? Again, it's also very insurer-specific, but just get guidance. Yeah. Evelyn in Ravonia says, we have a loss of profits policy, however, our turnover and profits have dropped substantially over the last two years. Can I restate cover now based on my profits in 2019, even though we're only hoping to build our turnover up over the next year? And how will insurers view this? So, I mean, here we've got a situation, 2019 to indicate good profits, 2020-21, profits plummeting. How do you insure for loss of profits? So loss of profits, firstly, you can reinstate it. That's the first uh, answer to the question. The second one is loss of profits is future cover. So whilst you historically made profits, you need to also account for what potentially you're going to be doing going forward. And remember, there's an indemnity period that attaches to the loss of profits. You have options of three months all the way up to 18 to 24 months, depending on the specific type of business and how quick that business believes they can get up and running. So when calculating it, it is very complicated, the calculation. We, you, know, we offer, you know, one would need to apply a formula to the calculation to work it out. But my advice to anybody working out or talking about business interruption is to look at Project, projected growth, future growth. And also, very important is the indemnity period. How long does the owner of that business believe that they can get back up and running? So again, whilst they look at the insurance company, we'll look historically at the figures. It's very important to make sure that it's future cover, that you're actually accounting for uh, a catastrophe going forward. Because a, a lot of businesses really, the last two years, had a terrible time. Back at, we all, many of us back in the office, I'm back in the office now, people now trying to build their businesses again, and so that cover is critical, I mean, you know, fire or anything to do with that. Then um, Anonymous in Durban says, whilst an elderly friend of mine was getting into a stationary car, the car rolled back and she was knocked to the ground, and the passenger door ripped her thigh open. Is this a third party claim, and is the driver liable for the costs and damage done to my friend? Is there a claim for medical expenses? Is it one policy? Is that your third party? Is that your public liability? Where does that fit? So Brian, in my view, that would fit under the motor section of the policy. So you'd register a claim under the motor, which would cover you for third party. Against the, the driver? Against, yeah. So correct, correct. Whereas liability insurance is more, very often is, is address specific. So if you talk about a personal policy, you have personal liability and it ensures your cover at your risk address, and then you have extended liability. But in this particular case, 
My suggestion would be to look at the motor section of the policy that would cover you for third-party damages as well as medical costs in the event that someone is injured by a vehicle. And then where does third-party come in? So third-party is motor third-party or just personal liability? Uh, motor third-party. So motor third-party is that in the event that you damage third-party property, it will be covered. So this is very similar to going into a car. If you hurt or injure a third party, a pedestrian as an example, one would claim against the motor section of your policy because very often liability covers exclude motor claims, motor accident related claims. So that's why we would be need to go to where more specifically insured and that would be the motor section of the policy. Then Julian Bay says, when load shedding occurs, particularly in the evening, we don't always remember to turn off heaters and even stoves. If there's damage when electricity comes on again, what would, would we be insured? This can be very tough when one power is restored and all those appliances come alive. I think of heaters. Is it not always practical that consumers make sure that they go and turn off all the items during load shedding? I would assume that any peril covered under the policy would constitute a valued claim. We also have claims where water shuts off and your know, taps come back on and also flood the house. Yeah. But in this particular example, very often power surge is not covered automatically. So one would need to check the policy because this would be a power surge claim, check if the power surge is covered and to what limit. Because most policies are what we refer to in insurance terms, peril-based policies, where you only have fire and airlight perils. And other policies are on an all-risk basis. And on an all-risk basis, you would have accidental damage and power surge cover. But again, one needs to check the limits on that policy. And if the limits are low, 10 or 20,000 Rand, and you need more cover, speak to your financial broker, speak to your advisor to buy a power surge cover, which is very important with obviously with, with the load shedding that's happening. So the message you're giving is you better make sure that, for example, your heaters, you, particularly in the winter, well, we're having winter at the moment, but if you've got a heater on and you're load shedding, you go to bed and you leave your heater on and it catches a light, I mean a curtain or something, I mean you've got to be very careful when that happens. Craig, I want to get to our last email. We've been through as many as I can. Evelyn Bordeaux say, I've just bought a home. All my belongings as covered by my personal insurance during the move? So it's a very good question because when you move, very often the insurance companies exclude denting, scratching and chipping in terms of the policy. And again, they restrict the limit. They don't just cover your whole household. If you've got a million rand householders, they don't just automatically cover you for the full million rand. Some insurance companies do. But again, other insurers limit it. So check your wording, check your policy. And what's also material is to make sure that you advise the insurance companies that you're actually moving, that the items are being entranced and actually being moved from one premises to the other. Because a lot of the moving companies offer you extra insurance. So the question is, you may need, but again, as you're saying, talk to a broker, talk, talk to someone who understands. I mean, someone like your organization would understand and guide people. Well, just a reminder that if you have reduced or cancelled cover in any way, a good example where you've got discounts from insurers because of low mileage, you're now back to leading close to your pre-pandemic life. Make sure that you review insurance and that your cover is adequate. Craig, thank you for joining me. Good tonight. to be here. Thanks. It's important to note that our program is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. Next week's program, we'll be dealing with financial and retirement planning. And if you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.